Today on Tune FM, I'm talking with Dr. Sophie Masson, an award-winning author who's published over 70 books. She's the former chair of the Australian Society of Authors, the current chair of the New England Writers' Centre, and current president of the Small Press Network, and she also teaches at the University of New England. So thanks for joining us on the show today, Sophie. It's a pleasure, Ash. Thank you for inviting me. So recently we've seen in the news that uh, this training data set called Books 3 has been stealing pirated work from Australian authors, and not just Australian authors, like big-name authors like Stephen King as well. And the Australian Society of Authors has just recently put out, not a press release, but a statement regarding it. As an author yourself, what has been your experience with AI? Well, um, there's a couple of things. So the ASA statement is very much about the, uh, un, um, you know, the lack of permission of the big tech companies in using authors' works, uh, scraping authors' work, as they call it, to, um, to teach generative AI. Um, and that's resulted in 200,000 books being pirated, basically, um, of which 18,000 of those are Australian authors. And I know quite a few people whose works have been used like that illegally, um, you know, um, going against copyright law completely. Um, and at the same time, the tech companies are monetizing these products, the generative AI products. So basically they are pirating and then profiting from it, which is exactly what pirates do, of course. So because the the source data, you know, search tool, which was actually put online by various people that The Atlantic had put together, was available. And so I put my name into it. And fortunately, none of my works have been scraped. So I think that a lot of the, the people who've had their work scraped are mostly people who write adult works. Um, most of my works have been in the children's realm, although some children's things have been used, mostly it's adult fiction and non-fiction. But my other experiences with AI are kind of very strange and rather illuminating about the whole idea of AI itself as it impacts on creativity and on, you know, also on intellectual capital and so on. The first time... Um, You know, I have started hearing about it, obviously, like everybody else, you know, um, it sort of has been around for a while, but, you know, it's only been since really last year that we started really hearing a lot about it. And at one stage, uh, the OpenAI people had made ChatGPT available free very quickly, you know, just as a kind of a, a beta testing thing. And so I decided, okay, I'm curious about this. I don't want to use AI at all in my own work. I have no interest in it. What's the point? You know, it's like sort of forging someone else's work or something. There's no point to it. You know, if you're creative, you're creative. Um, there's no need to sort of have that sort of thing. And um, so, but I decided, okay, I'll put in thing. I put into ChatGPT, write a bio of author Sophie Masson. And it came up very quickly with something, of course, as it does. But the thing that absolutely amazed me was that it got pretty much all the factual things wrong, things that are very easily look that you can easily look up on Google, no problem, on Wikipedia or anything. It got it wrong, got my birth date wrong, it got where I went to school wrong, it got a lot of things wrong. 
And then it also added things, like it gave me extra books that I hadn't written, even though I've already written plenty, but, um, you know, and it did things like write these very sort of flattering things about how I was one of the most influential writers in Australia, etc. It was like bizarre. It, it felt like somebody, like, you know, a high school student scrambling to write something um, for something that was due the next day and not bothering to look things up, but um, just putting in extra things that would flatter you or whatever, you know. Um, and this this first alerted me to that idea that now we know that AI does a lot is this hallucinating that it does. It makes things up, basically. Uh, but I think, the thing that was funny to me was that the factual stuff was wrong. The stuff that was so easily available on Wikipedia and on my website and so on, all that was wrong. Um, and then the second thing was when I got um, an email from a guy out of the blue, a guy from France, and as you know, I'm sort of from a French background, so obviously he contacted me and he said, I'm writing an article about an author whose name escapes me now, but it was an uh, an author who I think had been born in Austria and then had made, gone to France and made a living in France and wrote in French and stuff. And I think you're one of the few people who's written about this person, he said to me. And I thought, what? <laughs> Never heard of this person. <laughs> well, there's this article um, that this and that, it was written, you know, by you and it was published in such and such a date and... And I looked at it and I thought, did I somehow forget that I wrote about this, you know? And I said, but look, I, I really, and he said, because he wanted a, you could only get a link to the article, but he couldn't actually access the article. And um, I said, look, I'm sorry, but I don't think I wrote this. Maybe, maybe you're not, you know, maybe it's somebody else by, by, by now. He said, no, no, too, too. Anyway, and then he said, well, I actually I actually got this thing because I put it in AI who had written about this author and your name came up. So in other words, AI was giving him a link to something that didn't actually exist, an article that I had never written um, and an article that you couldn't access because basically it didn't exist. And that was truly weird. And that made me think, look, this can impact research and and it can really impact a lot of things. And that's when I, I sort of, in a way, I was both less worried about AI and more worried at that point because, you know, it's obviously churning out all this false information. But also I found it kind of funny, amusing, and so it didn't, I didn't feel, oh, my God, this AI is coming to get us, you know. Um, so, yeah, those are my little stories about it. Yeah, I think it's it's so weird because it's not intelligent. We call it artificial intelligence, yeah. but it doesn't yeah. have the capacity that humans have to Absolutely. be creative, to be Absolutely. insightful, to be thoughtful. All that it learns, it has learnt from things that it's taken from somewhere else. And we're seeing that it's impacting not just authors and artists but also the people who want to buy books there was a whole controversy on amazon as well a while back about travel guides being written using ai and using other people's images and names and identities to publish Absolutely. these fake books that had 
no content. So it's it's so new. There's no legislation surrounding that. Is there? I suppose as someone who's probably a bit more involved in the um, the politics of writing and authors in Australia, is there a push right now to get some sort of framework for legislation or protections for copyright? Absolutely, there is. I mean, the ASA issued the statement, but so did the APA, which is Australian Publishers Association, and the small press network that I represent also supports those statements. And basically, the APA said that there has to be four uh, main prongs, transparency around how AI is being used, a clearly defined ethical framework, ensure appropriate um, incentives and protection for creators and rights holders, and balancing the technology, technological advancement with societal and cultural responsibilities. So those things are all very important, and they have been lobbying the government to do that. And I think the government is very well aware of it and, and is, I guess, working around how to how to do it because, as you say, it's very new. Um, and as you say too, I think the the other thing is, and I read a really interesting article by a guy called Ted Chiang, who's a very very well known uh, speculative fiction author in um, America, I think. And he was saying basically that we need new words for this because it's not intelligent, as you say, and so it's something else, you know. Um, and he said it's more around statistics than anything. But he had quite an interesting take on it. Um, and here's somebody, you know, who has written and been, you know, really involved in technological advancements and developments and stuff. So, yes, it's it's a, a way we have to think of a way of thinking about the whole thing and then using that in order to create the best sort of frameworks and regulations and protections we're not saying that you can't use AI for anything. We're just saying that you really need to have a really good handle on where this is taking society and culture. And I think there's uses for it in some way, but the uses aren't write me a novel based on this theme or write me a novel that Sophie Masson would have written. The uses are more like, give me an outline for what an essay would look like. How do I formulate these things? Yes, rather than fine. write me this essay on this topic. Exactly. And yeah. people aren't using it that way. They're using it to cheat almost. Yeah. And I think it's people want to have the, the end result without putting in the work because people don't see the actual work that goes into writing. They just think anyone can bang out 50,000 yes. words, but they don't see the planning. What is the difference then in how a human creative person thinks? What, as someone who does this as a living, how much effort do you put into your works? Oh, you know, a huge amount of effort. And it's also to do with your experiences, with your life, with with the way that you are alive in the world, with the way that you perceive the world. It's to do with being in your body. It's to do with um, so many things that only a human can have. And, um, you know, I mean, animals certainly have that as well in the sense of they don't they don't create those, you know, novels and art and, art and so on, but they are alive in the world and they have their own experience of the world. But a thing which isn't sentient and which isn't 
living um, doesn't have that, you know, basically. And so it's it really is with right with creative work. It's the accumulation of so much. Um, it's some of it is intangible. Some of it is to do. And like I tell you know students and so on, everyone has their own way of seeing the world. No no two people are alike. Even if they're identical twins, they're not seeing it in exactly the world in the same way. They're not experiencing their life in the same way. Um, so I think in a way what AI could do for us is to actually make us aware once again what it is to be human, make us aware of the great privilege of being alive in this world, um, of being a human being in this world. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, those are the things that could really come out of it. And that's seeing it from a positive level. I mean, there are people who see others as mere tools for their own, you know, advancement or whatever, but um, most people don't. And most people do um, experience, I mean, you know, we all experience life in different ways and we experience the world in different ways. The, the thing with creative people is that we are actually able to um, transport those experiences into a creative medium, whether that be words or music or, or visuals or sculpture or dance or whatever it happens to be or any other kind of creative work. Um, and even like, you know, with um, when craftsmen build things, when, you know, I mean, there's a difference between something which is made by hand to something that is made by a machine, for instance. And we can all tell the difference. Um, so it's, yeah, it's very much a lot of work, a lot of accumulated experience, a lot of things that cannot be replicated um, by an AI. Um, and, you know, when I think of people, um, you know, like like you were mentioning, putting in, you know, to AI, okay, how do you, how do you create a, um, an essay? Now, that, that could be very useful, but that same... That same information is actually available just on Google or in, in books or whatever. It's not like something new, you know, uh, but it can be a very quick way of getting the information, I suppose. And so for people who want to write and who see AI as a way to get them into this sphere of being an author, what is your advice for them to do instead? My advice is to actually um, read books about writing. Um, to go to courses, to go to writers' groups. I think something like the UNE Writers' Group is a fantastic way to, um, you know, um, network with other people, to talk about work, to get inspiration. Um, the other thing is to read as much as possible. Read as much as possible of the kind of books that you want to write, um, the kind of writing you want to do, because, you know, that is the best way of um, actually getting a handle on what writing is about. The other thing is, Keep alert to your world, to your to your your daily experience. Um, you know, think about okay when you look at the sky. What are you what are you really looking at? What can you see? Um, think about um, you know a flower in your garden, an ant on the on the path. Um, you know all those things um, that we see every day. Um, but imagine that you're very new to it. Imagine that you've just woken up into the world. How would you see that? I, I think that those things of um, 
really enhancing your experience by thinking about what you're seeing, what you're hearing. Um, that's one of the best ways of training a writer, really, to be alert to your world, to be alert to things around you, and to enrich your experience by reading other people's works um, and thinking about them. It's much harder than putting things into AI, if you like. It's yeah. more time-consuming anyway, but it is infinitely more rewarding. It comes with practice. People don't realise it. It is yeah. a skill. It is not an innate talent. It is learnt and it That's can right. be learnt. And right. you're not going to learn it through AI. No, you are not because it does all the work for you. So what's the point? You know, you are just as ignorant at, at the end as you are at the beginning. <laughs> exactly. So going forward with AI, what is your hope? My hope is that it will be used for the purposes which actually work for it. Um, that it won't, um, that it will also help us redefine and re, um, revalue, value again the human um, and that, you know, we actually understand that we are in a pretty unique position in the world with being able to express and articulate and create things in this way. Well, thank you so much, Sophie, and thanks for coming on to chatting with us today. Hopefully, all our listeners out there, um, you know, have learned a little bit more about AI and the work that human authors do put in to their pieces. Do you have any books coming out uh, soon that anyone can find if they're interested in? Oh, sure. Um, I've actually got a book coming out um, next month. Um, it's called The Paris Cooking School, and it's a um, written under the pen name of Sophie Beaumont because it's an adult novel. Um, and it's one that I absolutely loved writing. It's very much a book to take pleasure in. It's a joyful book in many ways, set in Paris, of course. Um, and it really engages both my French and Australian sides. So I, I feel very happy with it. And I hope that it'll give a lot of people a lot of pleasure. Great book for Christmas or holiday reading or beach reading or whatever yeah. you do. No, exciting. Thank you so much, Sophie. No worries, Ash. Thank you for speaking to me.